Welcome to episode 331. Calling all men, or anyone who has to put up with one. (laughs) Low testosterone is at catastrophic levels, and we're seeing more depression, suicides than we've ever seen before. And you might think, what? Mental health and testosterone? How are they linked? In today's episode, we're talking about how gents can get their hormones to a level that has them feeling optimal and normal again, reminiscent of the best chapter of their life that they remember. Because the reality is, the average man, hormonally speaking, is a third of the man his grandfather was. And this is probably contributing to a lot of your health challenges, your motivation challenges, your relationship challenges, and your mental health challenges. I'm passionate about getting this awareness out there because men have a big problem that creeps up on them ever so subtly that must change. Included in here too are some controversial ideas about porn consumption and masturbation because men with healthy testosterone, once we get there, are also looking for some loving, but we've got to chat about that. So let's dive in. Welcome to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. You've tuned in because you want to start taking your health seriously, so you don't, well, get sick and die. Here we talk all things health, nutrition, and human optimization. Let's jump into it with your host and resident scientist, Maddie Lansdowne. What's up, my healthy friends? Good to have you here and good to know you're open to changing up your life in a good way, which is what we try and do on each and every episode of the show. Deliver to you a little bit of the good stuff so that you can go and make little changes in your life and see big results in a year or two from now. This year, though, in 2024, it's my mission to coach 500 people to get control of their sugar cravings and sugar binges so they can stop yo-yo dieting, stop obsessing about food, and finally create a body that they feel confident being in. And if that's something that you resonate with and you want to get involved, we do currently have a reservation list. So the sooner you reach out, the sooner we can reserve your spot for the next intake of the program. So please scroll to the show notes below, send me a message, and let's get control of your emotional eating, your binge eating, your overeating, so that your body can start transforming in the way you want it to. So down in the show notes below for that link. Okay, so most of the people that I work with are women. We've got some men in there too, but it's mostly women. And the very vast majority of those women I work with have long-term male partners or a husband. And that's the cue for today's guest. We've got Tomo Marjanovic, whom is the CEO of Aspire Rejuvenation Medical Center and an expert and advocate for hormonal health and optimization, and mostly men's health, men's hormones, and masculinity. Yeah, that's right. Real men are going to talk about man stuff today. (laughs) Tomo was formerly a police officer that was awarded the Public Safety Medal of Valor for his exceptional bravery and sacrifice to ensure the safety of others, which is pretty inspiring. And he's appeared in loads of well-known publications, the Daily Mail, Yahoo News, the New York Post, and many, many more. And of course, now the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. (laughs) Tomo, welcome to the podcast, mate. Appreciate you being here. How are you doing? Thanks, Maddie. I appreciate you having me on, man. I've been excited to uh, get to talk to you. I've been waiting for this for a few weeks now. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad that we made it happen and we found some time to talk about the fellas and what's going on in their world. So you're the CEO of a medical clinic. How did you get into that from law enforcement? That's a bit of a transition. Yeah, it's funny. I I tell this story a lot, especially recently on podcasts as I started getting in the news a little bit more. My transition started really early. I was 13 years old, had a massive growth spurt when I went to Europe. When I was young, grew about seven inches in three months. So you can imagine what that does to your body. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So I came back to the United States. I'm in severe pain, back, knees, elbows, everything you can imagine. 
And the doctor, we're going to say, prescribed me to lift weights, to weight train. He said the only way to help these joints and ligaments and everything kind of heal together is to build the muscles around them. Good doctor. So he pushed me into the gym and I started lifting weights, started building my muscles around my joints, and I found a passion for bodybuilding, health, and fitness. Right. Fast forward a few years, I'm 18, 19 years old, and I am very into bodybuilding. I've already competed uh, once or twice at that point uh, as a natural bodybuilder. And I go to my coach and I tell the guy, I said, listen, I know what it takes to be a professional bodybuilder, the big boys, right? I'm like, I have to take steroids, the nasty word, right? Yeah. And he says, he immediately says, no, because I'm young. Yeah. So he says, no. And then he says, but let's go get your hormones tested and see where you're sitting at. He said, that way, at least, you know, this was unheard of at the time. I'm 38 years old. So we're talking 20 years ago. Nobody was testing hormones at a regular rate. So I go to a doctor. I get all my hormones tested. My testosterone level comes back over 1,400 nanograms per deciliter, which is way above normal scale. Yeah. So I show him the test and he says, well, you're pretty much naturally on steroids, so you don't need anything. He said, maybe one day you'll need it, you know, but at least now you know you can build all the muscle you need and you can do it naturally because your body's already there. Uh, at that point, I was so enthralled with, you know, what I was doing in my body and what my hormones were doing and, and the potential inevitability of me wanting to take hormones for bodybuilding purposes. Mm -hmm. I started researching and, you know, this is back before Google was what it was. The internet was what it was. So a lot of this stuff came from libraries and I started becoming just educated on hormones, endocrine system health, wellness, how the body processes hormones. And I read every publication, every book, every manuscript I could basically throughout all of my 20s and became sort of an autodidact in hormones. Right. So that entire time I'm working in law enforcement. I'm a police officer. Never stopped weightlifting, still into bodybuilding, love the sport. And uh, when I transitioned out of law enforcement, I was kind of done with the career. It was a pretty crazy career. Uh, I did 12 years in there and uh, I transitioned out of there and I went and basically applied with a friend of mine who owned a hormone clinic. And I said, Hey, do you have anybody doing sales and marketing? And he's like, I would love to have somebody doing sales and marketing. Who's, who do you have in mind? I told him me. So, you know, he, uh, he basically is like, you know, what do you know about this stuff? And we've had conversations, but he figured out that I knew a great deal about what this industry had to offer, hired me on the spot. Mashed my police salary, which was meager. Uh, <laughs> when he asked me how much money I wanted to make, I'm like, can you just match my police salary? He's like, well, what's that? And I wrote it down on a piece of paper and I gave it to him and he actually laughed. He literally laughed. He's like, yeah, no problem. I'm getting you for a great deal. It's funny that you were <laughs> applying for the position as a sales dude and you weren't selling yourself. <laughs> no, yeah, it's, it's, it's really funny. Yeah, so it's, uh, you know, I didn't negotiate that. I didn't really put that one together. But I worked for this medical clinic for a little while and built that clinic from 700 patients to almost 4,000 in nine months. Wow. Became partner of that clinic and then ended up having to leave that clinic fairly quickly because of some legal issues, we'll say. Mm -hmm. So I basically, irreconcilable differences, had to get away from it. And I said, okay, well... I had a taste of this. I was making more money than I ever had in my life. Mm -hmm. You know, I was basically making half my police salary every month at yeah, that wow. point being a 20% owner, you know? So I said, am I going to go back to law enforcement or am I going to really just go at this and start my own thing and get away, you know, get into my own clinic 
since I knew what to do and also knew what not to do based on those legal ramifications that I learned and uh, put my entire life savings, all of my credit, didn't pay my bills, didn't pay my car note, wasn't paying mortgages. And I went 100% all in into building this brand and business. And uh, yeah, that was that was the start of it, man. And I just put everything that I could into it. And it's grown into what we see now. I have uh, currently two locations, three more slotted to open in the United States. I just came back from Dubai, UAE. And uh, I'm in negotiations for opening the first clinic of our kind in the region. So we're actually going to emerge into a market for the first time, uh, which is going to be completely crazy. I mean, that's that's a you know goldmine opportunity to really expand in that whole region. Uh, but yeah, you know we're we're currently sitting. We have almost ten thousand active patients, both men and women. Uh, I know your intro of me. You were like men's health. Believe it or not. Our female population here in Orlando Clinic is about forty percent, yeah, and our Pittsburgh Clinic is almost sixty percent. Right. So the the hormone side of female wellness is is huge for what we do. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Well, firstly, congratulations. Like it sounds like you're, yeah, you've been really successful, and obviously there's a lot of shit behind that as well that went on to build a business and create it, and there's a lot of gruel and pain and suffering and risk involved. But um, it sounds like, yeah, it's really moving in the right direction. I guess it's moving in the right direction, one, because obviously you're good at business. But two, there's obviously a demand for for this stuff, right? There's a, in the modern era with the with sugar addiction and you know sugar being everywhere and the air we breathe and the water we drink and all of the endocrine disruptors and carcinogens and everything. Mm-hmm. Like there's obviously a demand for this. So I'm curious to know like, what is the demand with hormone problems, particularly for men, but women as well, that you're seeing that just seem to be going up and up and up, therefore increasing the demand for this kind of service? So you kind of prefaced it perfectly. You know, we're talking about food supply. We're talking about water supply. We're talking about all the endocrine disruptors in the environment, the plastics in the environment. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that people don't realize is that you can talk about women, young women. Why are younger, younger women going through puberty earlier, right? Mm -hmm. Why are they developing at such a young age? I mean, you can see like 15, 16 year old girls that are, when I was growing up, 15, 16 year old girls did not look like this. Yeah. So what's causing this to happen? A lot of the endocrine disruptors and a lot of the uh, estrogens in the environment are, that's what it is. It's, It's female driven hormones. So estrogens, progestins, things like that, not just coming from food, not just coming from water, but also coming from the prevalence of birth control. Mm -hmm. So you think about how much birth control is being put out into the marketplace for young women, all that's getting urinated into the water system. And what people don't realize is that's not being filtered out. You know, people think like, oh, our tap water, people think like there's a big bucket for tap water for what we drink and another big bucket for sewage and all this. I'm like, it all gets intermingled eventually. Yeah. You know? So we're, you know, us as men, we're seeing men's testosterone levels lowering and lowering decade after decade because of the food supply, because of the water supply, because of all the phytoestrogens that are in our food. You know, so we're seeing a severe hormone decline in men and we're seeing a hormone exacerbation in women. So it's, it's, it's kind of like the polar opposite. Women are becoming more feminine early, which is also causing problems. It's not a good thing. And then men are becoming almost more feminine and more feminized. And, you know, there's a, I know we don't like to talk about the crazy conspiracy theories, but did you ever uh, see the thing, what the water turned the frogs gay? 
Yes, I did. Um, who, who's, yes, yes. So, you know, that's a real thing. That's, that's actually, that actually is a real thing that happened. And it's because of how toxic the water supply is, specifically in the United States. Mm. European countries have a little bit of the problem. Middle East does not really have the problem. Asia, a little bit. I don't know about Australia. I don't know much about the water supply issues there or what they're putting in the water or how they filter it. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the United States here, it's it's wildly prevalent. I mean, my industry treating men, we should not be seeing men below the age of 35, really. Yeah. People's men's hormones should be pretty good until about 35, which is when the decline starts to happen. We're seeing men as early as 25 coming to us with severe hormone declines to the point where, you know, hormones run your entire body. You know, we're, we're talking about holistic health and wellness Everything from your brain to your heart to your organs, your muscles, everything for men is really run on testosterone. Yeah. So if you take that out of a out of a man, you're going to have half the man. You're going to have people with mental problems. You're going to have people with depression issues. You're going to have people with severe physical issues, just like you would for an older man that starts to have that testosterone decline. It's it's really sad and it's scary. And mainstream medicine doesn't address it properly. You know, they don't they don't look at hormones the way that I look at hormones, the way that maybe you look at hormones, you know, yeah. as a holistic wellness source. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, too, because you, you go to the doctor and I assume it's the same in all Western countries. But when you get tested for anything, but let's stay on the topic of testosterone, you can be told, oh, you're really, really healthy or you're in the middle. But the reality is that the the window for, quote unquote, healthy from a medical perspective is the average of the current population data. And the current population data gets sicker and sicker every year. So therefore, mm-hmm. the, the readings you know, and the, and the parameters get lower and lower each year. And so it's basically saying, oh, you've got just enough testosterone in your body to not be a woman. So you're, you're healthy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, we have guys that'll come in and the testosterone scales in the US, the normal range is between like, depending on what scale you look at, let's say average 300 to 900. Mm-hmm. So if I come in and get my labs tested and I'm 301, a normal doctor, normal practitioner will say, oh, you're normal. You're, you're good to go. And then if I come in at 299, now I'm quote unquote low. Yeah. Two point difference. How does that make sense? You know, and they don't take in account all of your symptoms, any of the issues that you have. You know, there's there's so many symptoms that happen to men specifically, um, also to women with hormone decline. Mm-hmm. And they're so easy to read. You can you can see most of them without even actually looking at labs. Yeah. You know, our labs are our confirmation. But when you look at the symptomology of uh, a hormone decline, if doctors were truly taught to look at health in a holistic way, my industry wouldn't exist. So I'm grateful that my industry exists. But if the medical community actually did their jobs, this wouldn't even be a thing. All general practitioners would do this. But unfortunately, you know, big pharma, big medicine, they have turned medicine into a profiteering band-aid operation. You know, they don't want you to they don't want you as a man to take testosterone therapy and fix all 12 of your problems. They want you yeah. taking 12 medications and paying them and getting the big bucks in their pocket. Totally. Well, and I think it's twofold in the sense that the capitalist greedy corporate strategy and I don't think capitalism is a bad thing like, you know, Everybody enjoys the benefits of it, but it's the idea that keeping people sick is immoral and unethical that is the debate, right? And it's like, at what point is the right thing to do? Is it to let the consumer or offer the consumer the most convenient thing for them, 
which involves no effort or responsibility or anything, and they don't also get the outcome they want. But then the other side of the coin is as people listen to podcasts like this or come across either of us or anyone in the holistic health world, it's also that the responsibility side is that the consumer drives market behavior, right? Because it's the dollar that's the most important thing. And I think conversations like this and, and a big motivation for my podcast in the very beginning when I worked initially in a cancer hospital was like, I'm going to bankrupt big pharma by educating everyone. Like, you know, um, because we have to also take responsibility for, oh, these things aren't right. I've got to go about it in a different way. And so it's this double sort of, this, this two conversations happening at once. It's like, how do we regulate an industry that doesn't seem to care about health? And, at, you know, what level does, should business owners care about health other than making money? Like that's a, you know, a bit of a deep rabbit hole. And then on the other side, at mm -hmm. what point are you going to take responsibility and stop blaming the, you know, the system that you're in? Well, sure. And, you know, the, the thing about taking responsibility is, you know, whenever I talk about anything with my industry, I always go back to lifestyle. I would much rather someone come in, the 25-year-old, let's say. Let's say the 25-year-old that has all these hormone issues. The first questions we ask are lifestyle related. My practitioners that, that we employ here, they're asking lifestyle, what's your activity level? What do you do for work? Do you exercise? How do you eat? What's your water uh, supply? Like we, we ask all these questions because a 25-year-old should not have a hormone issue. A 25-year-old should not have yeah. these issues anyway. So if they come in and they're just a complete catastrophe in their lifestyle and like, well, yeah, no, no shit. You have a hormone issue, right? <laughs> so totally. you're, you're going to have a hormone problem. You're not even trying to not have a hormone problem. So, you know, a lot of times we will tell them like, hey, we're not going to prescribe you meds. We're going to tell you to go and start fixing your lifestyle. If you still need our treatments, if you still have a hormone issue, which may be possible, great, we'll treat it. But I would much rather you go eat well, exercise, live a different lifestyle, stop being sedentary, mm -hmm. and, and really look at it from that standpoint, because I don't need more customers. I have plenty. We're not <laughs> even scratching the surface on how many people that we can help. And that's why we're expanding rapidly. That's why we're educating as much as we are. Mm -hmm. I tell people all the time and they're like, well, why should I come to your clinic? Yeah. I'm like you don't have to just go to a good clinic, <laughs> go to a clinic that's going to actually check your levels, go to a clinic that's going to actually treat you properly. That's not going to treat you like a band aid, And that's not going to treat you like only a profit profit venture. Yeah. You know, we, we always say constantly, I've said this on almost every video I talked about how our clinic operates. We are always patient over profit. Mm -hmm. We care about the actual patient. And that's how we've grown so much because we're not trying to only profit off medication sales. We're not trying to only profit off of a, you know, a constant revolving wheel of people coming in. We want to fix your problems. We want to help you get, get out of here. I would much rather have a person come in, fix their lifestyle issues and say, oh my gosh, I don't need any meds now. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say, yeah, see you in 10 years, 15 years. Yeah. Come back to us, you know, when you need us. Yeah, for sure. But that, that's going to make them happy as a consumer. It makes me happy. I can sleep well at night, you know, and then, and then the whole thing just keeps turning because they're going to tell all their friends that maybe do have a hormone issue. Hey, these people actually treated me like a human. They treated me like they actually cared. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, and I think as well, like it brings up that conversation of like Western medicine isn't the devil. It's not, you know, the worst thing ever. Mm. There's a lot of fabulous resources that are there. It's just the way that I guess the pharmaceutical companies control the education bodies and, and then inform doctors of a particular system. And they enter into a system, which is, you know, medication and symptom, 
rather than causation. And the mm-hmm. system doesn't allow doctors to have more time with patients. And so they're not taught or, or you know, raised as doctors in an industry that is supportive of holistic health and, and those other strategies that aren't generating money to the point that I know here in Australia, you know, if some doctors order too many nutrition panels or hormone panels, they get a call from the, the regulator that says, hey, why are you doing this? Really? I didn't know that. I mean, they haven't gotten that bad here in the US, but I had no clue that they were doing that over there. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if you do too many of those sort of tests and uh, hormone tests included, actually, some of them, thyroid tests are hard to get and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They, yeah. Each doctor has to be really careful and has to be able to justify the sort of out of the box ones because it costs the government money, right? Sure. So they need to be on top of that. And obviously, they need to be on top of the ones that don't result in a drug sale because you can't patent nutrition. <laughs> you know, you can't patent supplements, although, you know, plenty of pharmaceutical companies own supplement companies. But, uh, sure. but yeah, no, it's a scary world. You know, it's hard to point the finger at anyone. It's easy to say, as I do all the time, you know, big farmers, the problem. But, you know, we all have enjoyed the convenience of that industry. And at the same time, from a macroeconomic standpoint, it's made many countries very livable and wealthy. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, you know, you can't demonize big pharma or modern medicine completely. It's just what mm-hmm. we see uh, as the norm now. And you hit the nail on the head when you talked about the education system. You know, who writes the books that they are learning from in the medical schools? It's big pharma. Yeah. <laughs> you know, who's running, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the uh, equivalent of the FDA is in Australia. TGA. TGA. So the TGA or the FDA, you know, the FDA here, a lot of them are big pharma executives and vice versa. They, they swap back and forth all the time. You know, you'll see a Pfizer executive become an FDA uh, lead. And then you'll see an FDA lead go to Pfizer. And I'm sitting here, I'm like, is nobody paying attention to this at all? This is crazy. This is so clearly intermingled that it's got to be criminal, you mm-hmm. know, but what's the biggest lobbying firms in uh, at least United States government, probably Australia as well. It's big pharma. They're the ones that are really padding the pockets of the politicians. They're the ones that are really feeding this political machine. Mm-hmm. So are you really going to see the government going against big pharma? Well, not likely. You know, it's, it's going to be pretty hard for them to do that because their entire campaign is funded by them. Yeah. As you're sort of talking there, what I was thinking about is sort of the movement to holistic health, which the internet and podcasts have very much opened the door to. And COVID really got a lot of people open up to the possibility that there might be some alternatives. And so I think there's been some great utility in those, that, you know, those experiences and those social developments over time. But what I was just thinking about is that, you know, what is the cost of having men in general as a society with lower testosterone? Because if we're talking about, you know, you mentioned before depression, anxiety, you know, and you've probably got in there as well, erectile dysfunction. So all these situations possibly where you're not feeling like a man or, you know, standing up for yourself, entering, you know, stepping into your masculinity is that it's difficult to take responsibility if you're depressed, right? It's difficult to step up and say, I'm going to do this for myself or for my wife or for my kids or whatever, mm-hmm. if you're feeling awful about yourself and your body doesn't feel like it's what you were born with or, you know, we have that regret of like, I'm never going to be 15 again, you know? So I'm curious, like, what are the impacts of men that don't feel very manly because of their T levels? Yeah. So, you know, it's an interesting topic. And I mean, when you say the word masculinity, you know, people that are on certain sides of, uh, you know, social or political <laughs> spectrums, they're going to immediately say, oh, masculinity is toxic or toxic masculinity or, you know, even even the crazy statement of men shouldn't be masculine. Everybody should be equal. We should all be the same. No, it's not. That's not how it works. A, a non-masculine man 
is really a dangerous person. Because when you have a man who's living in his masculinity, when you have a man who's really understanding what it means to be masculine, you're going to have a man who wants to provide for his family, for a woman, and you're going to have a man who wants to protect. A man who is able to control himself emotionally. When you have a man with low testosterone, depression, anxiety, psychosis, all these issues, these are real. People can actually study these things. People can look at the data. When you have a man who has these issues, these are your school shooters. These are the people who are causing mass catastrophe. These are men who cannot control their emotions. They're men who are not confident. They're men who do not understand how to be a real man. You know, so just like for a woman having the right progesterone and estrogen uh, levels and thyroid levels as well, for a woman is profoundly important for them feeling like a woman. Mm -hmm. Testosterone, exactly the same thing. We're, we're like a, we're like a car engine, right? If you have no oil in that engine, it's going to seize up like this, right? Yeah. So we know that if you have very little oil in the engine, it'll, it'll work for a little bit. It'll keep working, but it's going to destroy that engine in the process. That's what low testosterone is doing to a man, their brain, their body, everything, all these issues that people used to relate to, uh, other other health related issues or uh, age uh, regression and degeneration through age, a lot of them have to do with hormones. So you look at everybody from like a midlife crisis standpoint. Let's say the forty plus men. What happens when you're forty? Blood pressure issues, cholesterol issues, mental health issues, um, erectile dysfunction, all of these things that are normal for a forty year old man to start suffering from. Find me twenty year old men that are suffering from any of them can't find them. The reason is because all their hormones are optimal. So they are optimal at that level. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you just look at that comparison, you can easily kind of deduce, well, if I make that 40-year-old man optimal to the level where he was 20, which is a natural optimal level, it's not going overboard, it's not going to bodybuilding standards, you can then decrease all those age-related regressive issues and you can start bringing a healthier male into the later years of his life. And your perfect example to look at is Hollywood. Go look at all of these actors that are in their 40s, 50s, 60s. How do they look so good? How do they look so young? How do they feel so good? How do they perform at such a high level? Every single one of them guaranteed has been on hormone therapy since that decline. Yeah. And it's been like that since the early 90s. It was just not accessible to the normal public. Right. These were all concierge doctors that were very, very expensive, thousands or tens of thousands of dollars a month. Now it's accessible for the normal person. Now me or you can go to a clinic like mine and we can get these therapies and we can feel like a rock star when we're 30, 40, 50, 60. It's amazing. One of the things that I think is slightly different about hormone therapy to some of the other drugs that I'm not a fan of is the idea that we're actually just trying to get men and women but people back to baseline like we're not yes. we're not using medicine to to artificially change anything per I mean we are technically but you know there's the quote that gets around at the minute in this conversation and space that men today are a third of the man their grandfather was mm-hmm. because of the just catastrophic decline in testosterone levels and so the idea that I think people look at um you know celebrities and people that look young and are on maybe on hormone therapy or just the, the few people that have got lucky genetics and they think, oh, they must be really rich and they must be doing all these things you shouldn't do and like and plastic surgery. And, and sure, that's definitely a part of the conversation. But I think 
letting people know that doing this stuff is getting you back to normal, not taking you way into, you know, this like celebrity, you know, kind of false human experience <laughs> type yeah. of territory, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, when I, when I say Hollywood, what I'm talking about is, is what they're doing from an anti-aging perspective, not the superficial stuff. Yeah. The Botox and the plastic surgeries and all these facial treat, whatever that is, that's all superficial. I'm talking about the internal health. And when you look at what the term anti-aging is or what regenerative medicine is, it is literally all tied to hormones. Mm -hmm. So if we bring that male or female back to a hormonal level that is baseline, normal, what I call optimal. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if we have that scale again from 300 to 900, I want to see you at 800, 900. That's, yeah. that's where you are, quote unquote, optimal. I want to see you at the high end of that normal range. My high end of normal range is 1400. I know that because I tested it. What the medical community and what I would push everybody that watches this podcast and listens to this podcast to do is if you're young, go and get your hormones tested. Find your baseline. That way, when you are at an older age, you're like, no, no, no. I know where I was when I felt amazing at 20, 22, 25, you know, and have those baseline levels. That way, when you start to have a decline, oh, look at these levels. People should be getting blood work every year. Yeah. You know, you should get, you should get lab work frequently. It's just most people don't even know what to test, number one. And most doctors don't care enough to test it. <laughs> well, and I think the interesting thing too is when people reflect on the years that they felt amazing, the, and it kind of drives me crazy now, is that there's the, the line that everybody uses, I'm getting old. Ah, uh, that's just what happens when you get old. Uh, this is, and, mm -hmm. and the age that people say that is getting younger and younger. And people don't know how good great feels because they haven't felt it since they were 15, 16, 17, 20 and so they just think ever since then, I was just getting old. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and you know, what we do is we try to bring people back to that idea mm -hmm. because when I, when I hear a man, women are much more in tune. So women know about hormones because they deal with a hormone fluctuation every month, right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> they have a menstrual cycle. They know exactly what the hell hormones feel like. We're a little more ignorant. So we don't know that hormone decline until it's already probably a really big issue, you know? So women know what menopause is. Women know what their menstrual cycle is. They know that there is a certain time in their life when they're going to hit menopause and their hormones are going to tank. Mm -hmm. The best thing to do for that woman is to elevate their hormones back to a normal, optimal level. And guess what? All of those issues that happen post-menopause, all the depression, the bone density issues, uh, the heart disease, these are all postmenopausal issues for women. They go away. Amazing. Simple, simple hormone therapy. Women, progesterone, testosterone, estradiol. You optimize those three. We're not even talking about thyroid. That woman postmenopause will thrive. And I know I've seen it firsthand. My mother is on hormone therapy from the clinic. Mm -hmm. She's 60 years old. She's a rock star. She works out every day. She runs, she cycles. She, I mean, she's, she's, uh, she's a beast. You know, so when we have these women do that, it's, it's easy because they understand what it is. Men, we are, for lack of a better term, lazy and stupid when it comes to our health. We don't pay <laughs> attention until it's already a massive problem, you know. Uh, but men, it's, it's, it's really easy to tell when things start to go awry. 
You know, when you start having these ED issues, when you really start to have the conversations, which we're not comfortable with, men don't like admitting that they maybe have lower testosterone, they're less of a man, right? Mm -hmm. We need to get away from that methodology. We need to get really away from that side of the conversation. And we need to just go in and admit because it's not just going to keep us feeling good. It's going to keep us alive longer. Yeah. You know, having optimal testosterone will literally keep you alive much, much longer, you know, increasing that uh, health span, Mm -hmm. you know, lifespan is great. We want to live long, right? But if the last 20, 30 years of your life is miserable, that sucks. (laughs) So we want to increase that health span with that lifespan. That's what we really are focused on. And once men really start to think about how they felt when they were 20 years old and they come in and are like, well, I feel fine. I feel fine. Well, how do you feel fine? Well, I feel fine for a 50 year old. I was like, that sucks. I want you to feel fine like a 25-year-old. Yeah. I want you to feel fine for an 18-year-old. I want you chasing your wife around the house, which we love getting these stories from men when we optimize them because, you know, they will literally optimize their testosterone, maybe one other thing. Mm-hmm. And then inevitably, within two months, the wife calls the office. And she said, whatever you did to my husband, I can't keep up with him. I need you <laughs> to do it to me. And it ends up being a couples therapy type thing. So now both of them are optimized. You know, we're talking 40, 50 year old couples. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the stories are amazing. You know, we've had guys literally on, I mean, you can look on our Google. It's hilarious. Our Google, uh, our Google reviews. We've had guys say, this is amazing. You saved my marriage. We went from not having sex for months to having sex eight times a week. And I'm like, yes, this makes me so happy. You know, we just, we just literally put them back to their younger years you know, just by optimizing that little thing. So picture this, right? Unlocking your potential, conquering emotional eating and gaining insights directly from a health and nutrition expert such as myself. That's what we do inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group, which is currently free to join. If you've ever felt trapped by food challenges, struggled with maintaining a healthy lifestyle or yearned for a community that understands the reasons why you've yo-yo dieted for years, then there's a new chapter waiting to be written. And this is your chance to start writing it by joining us all on Facebook Lives, on engaging posts that push you out of your comfort zone and into growth, and Q&A sessions with me. All of this works as a platform to begin changing your emotional eating problems for good. Oh, and also, as a special gift, you receive my transformative How to Turn Food into Self-Confidence ebook. And that's also for free. I get it. Skepticism might linger. You might think, Maddie, I've heard these ads and I'm not sure. Well, at least a quarter of the members inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group have been paying clients of my emotional eating program at some point over the last three or four years. So if you're not sure, you can post in the group and ask to find out if I'm the real deal or not. It's totally up to you. To join us in the free Healthy Mums Collective and to end your emotional eating and feel good in your own skin and begin that journey, pop down to the show notes below, click the link and breeze through three simple entry questions. Join today and let's embark on a journey of growth and empowerment. The link is in the show notes below. Yeah, I think that's amazing. And one thing that I think happens too, and this is possibly a result of the personal development movement, which we've all benefited from. And this conversation in many ways is is a part of that because we're trying to personally develop people. But is that I think men too, there's been a big push for the psychology of men, you know, like of mm-hmm. you know depression and anxiety and men speaking up and being able to communicate. And I, I, the story that what I'm about to share is completely relatable to me, which is spending years thinking that I have a psychological problem um, and working really intently on that, reading all the, you know, the Tony Robbins books and going to my psychologist who I love, he's life changing. But 
coming back around and then testing my hormones and discovering like, mm-hmm. oh, I've always been a social extrovert, you know, and sort of life of the party, you know, I run a podcast. I've obviously got a few things to say. Um, and so for years, I was down this rabbit hole of like, I'm mentally broken. And then coming back around and, and doing hormone testing and being like, oh, you know, and I think this is possibly a lot of dudes like is that they're really focused on I'm depressed, I need more mental tools. And that's, that's definitely a positive. But I think as you sort of have touched on a couple of times is depression and anxiety and some of that mental anguish that we experience as men in our lonely heads feeling like we've got no utility in the world unless we're, you know, some particular version that Instagram says we should be. But yeah, we, we correct the hormones and some of that stuff just washes away. Sure. Well, and that's, and that's, where, that's where it's going to get really interesting in the coming years when I think there's going to be a large push and it's not going to be from the mental health community. It's going to be from clinics like ours. Mm-hmm. We're looking at really pushing the mental health community to look at hormones as a true treatment because the depression and anxiety and antipsychosis meds, they really are band-aids. Yeah. They're, they're treating only a symptom. They usually come with a myriad of other symptoms that come with it. You know, all these after effects to these drugs. And if you tell a man, and I, we've had this happen specifically with uh, military veterans. So we've had military veterans come in. They have PTSD. They have uh, depression. They have anxiety. They're on a grocery bag full of medications from the Veterans Health Administration here in the U.S., and they come in and we've had guys that, you know, that can afford the treatments and they come to us and they're like, okay, what's up with this? I heard maybe mental health stuff with hormones. We test their hormones. I had a man who literally had, I don't know, 10 different mental health medications. All he needed was testosterone. That's all he needed. We optimized his testosterone. He was off all medications within six weeks. Never felt better from years. He went in the military 18 years old. So he hasn't felt good in 12, 15 years. And he was first ecstatic. Mm -hmm. He's like, this is the most amazing thing ever. I'm so happy this finally got figured out to then hyper angry. Why the F didn't the VA and my doctors figure this out? I've been on these medications. I have all these side effects. I have all these issues. They don't look at it. Yeah. They don't look at it. So, you know, when when we talk about mental health and we talk about depression, and anxiety, it all starts up here. Your your entire endocrine system starts up here. You your pituitary gland, your hypothalamus, all of this gets triggered here and cascades down your body to trigger your testes to make testosterone. And for those listening, here is in the brain. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, here in the brain. I I forgot that people that are listening. Yes. Yeah, so, so yeah, in your brain, in your pituitary gland and hypothalamus, those are your trigger centers that are going to stimulate your hormone levels, your testosterone um, and everything else. You know, your thyroid's up there as well. So these are all, if you really just, again, think logically, people tend to overcomplicate the whole issue. You know, well, what is this issue? And what does this do? And what does that? No, look at the, look at the bottom, bottom line, break it down to the basic letters. Your hormones are starting in your brain. They cascade the rest of your body. Your hormones affect your brain chemistry. Mm -hmm. If you just look at it like that, oh, well, if someone has a brain chemistry issue like depression, anxiety, uh, PTSD, all these issues, maybe we can look at a hormone and maybe we can solve all their problems. Why is that not happening? Exactly what we talked about earlier. It's a profit sharing venture, right? 
between big pharma, big medicine, psych, uh, you know, psychotherapy, things like that. I love a lot of doctors. There are amazing doctors out there. Same, yeah. Western medicine is great. There's a bunch of awesome psychiatrists and psychologists out there. But I feel like the big piece is missing in almost all of medicine, which is looking at the holistic hormone health. Yeah. On that, like when you do sort of start with the holistic health picture, what things would you say before you get to bioidentical hormone replacement? And we'll get there. um, But what are the things that people can do that's like their biggest bang for buck? to start improving testosterone levels at home right now, listening to the show? Exercise uh, is number one. You know, exercise, uh, when I say diet, I don't mean going on a diet. I mean what you actually consume. So the foods you consume, the type of foods you consume, I will probably get berated um, by some of your fans on this. I don't like vegan diets. Yeah, I tell them the same thing. Um, I don't like strictly... Yeah, I, I, I'm not, I, and listen, but I'm also not a strict carnivore diet guy either. Yeah. You know, so I, I'm not, I'm not an extreme on either side, really as humans, again, debatable, might get, might get some hell for this, but we're omnivores. We are, I'm sorry yeah. to tell you if you disagree, we are meant to eat a variety of foods, meats, vegetables, some grains. But when we look at what we consume in our body and what our activity level is, you can drastically improve your hormone health just by changing lifestyle which is why we always hit lifestyle first. We Mm -hmm. always look at lifestyle first. And again, if you're a 50-year-old man and you have a hormone decline, yeah, you probably need our help. You're not going to fix it at that point. You've already hit your decline. But if you're 22, if you're 25, maybe even if you're 30, listen, there's a lot you can do to fix your hormones. Now, you know, you can have a guy that will say, no, no, I'm doing all these perfect things. I eat perfectly. I exercise all the time but I'm still gaining body fat. I'm still losing muscle. I still have ED. I'm still feeling a little bit depressed and off. Okay. You probably need therapy. It's okay. Mm. You know, so you can go into the bioidentical hormone realm, but for anybody listening, especially people younger than 30, look at your lifestyle. You can fix a lot. Look at what you're eating, the amount of chemicals in your food, go back to the most natural basic foods. Mm-hmm. Just meat, just vegetables. Don't don't go into these prepackaged things. Don't go into these processed foods. That's what bothers me so much about the the vegan community is they say, oh yeah, I'm vegan. I'm eating really healthy, and then you see them eating these highly processed, full of seed oils, full of all this garbage. You know the what are the um, burgers, the fake the fake meat ones? Oh, Impossible Burger, and um, what's the other one? There's another one. Yeah. Impossible burgers or beyond burgers, whatever those are. Yes. Beyond and impossible burgers. Sorry to call those companies out, but it is what it is. That stuff is poison. The ingredient list is longer than my arm. It's massive. (laughs) So, you know, you you can't be eating that. And this dude has big arms, by the way. (laughs) I I, thank you. I appreciate that. I still have a little bit of muscle at, at almost, uh, I'm pushing 40, 38. Yeah. So, you know, I'm a big proponent of what you consume every day. Water and food supply is huge, mm-hmm. but exercise. People don't understand how important living an active lifestyle is. And you don't have to go to the gym. Go ride a bicycle. Go for a walk. Go for jogs. Walk your dog. Just get off your couch. Stop watching Netflix all day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Stop sitting in front of computers and TVs. Those kind of small things will make drastic changes not only in your in your hormone profile, but just in your life in general. Yeah. I'm curious to ask your perspective. So I know that I would err on the side of weight and resistance training for hormone levels in men 
and women, to be honest, as opposed to long distance running or long endurance cardio. Would you agree with that? 100%. Yeah. So uh, resistance training, weight training, however you want to refer to it, Mm -hmm. it's imperative. It's not just imperative for your muscles, not just imperative for the endorphins that your body uh, lets lets out when you Mm -hmm. when you weight train. Also important for bone density. Yeah, you know they they one of the biggest prescribers for women that are uh, postmenopausal, like hey weight train because it'll it'll help stave off osteoporosis. It's true, mm-hmm. you know obviously you'll only stave it off so much, but you know weight training is probably the most underutilized, I would say, medical prescription on the planet. <laughs> you can fix so much with just weight training and and prescribing that method in your life. So, you know, that's, that's number one, you know, yes, walking and cardiovascular activity. That's great. That those all, those all are very good for you, but you have to have all facets. Just like I talk about food, you need your vegetables, you need some grains, you need some meats, you need all of these different food groups. You need different types of exercise. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite quotes from my favorite bodybuilder of all time, Arnold Schwarzenegger, he said, the best activities for your health are pumping, pumping iron and humping. <laughs> you know, a little bit of sexual activity, a little bit of cardio activity. So for, for those of you that are doing a little bit of both, those are great activities, you know, but you need to have everything. You need to have everything in your repertoire to really find a healthy place metabolically, you know, but yeah, if you're, if you're preaching weight training, that's the best thing that anybody can do men and women. Yeah. And I guess crossing over into that, you know, definitely doing all the right things now clearly needs some help. What are bioidentical hormones and how do they work? Anything that would be considered bioidentical is something that your body cannot recognize as foreign coming in. So like a bioidentical testosterone, Mm -hmm. if you are prescribed bioidentical testosterone, your body cannot tell the difference from the testosterone that you are taking, whether it's a transdermal cream, whether it's a, an oral, which is a new, it's a new, uh, there's a new oral one coming out now that we're introducing into the marketplace, or it's an injectable testosterone. Mm -hmm. A lot of them are plant-based, which is hilarious, but they are, they're, (laughs) they're vegan. So, so you can get, you can get your plant-based testosterone, but they all are. Most of them are the only ones that are bioidentical that are usually from animals are going to be like thyroid hormones, mm-hmm. which are made from porcine from pigs. They're literally pig thyroid um, yeah. that are desiccated. And, you know, you can, uh, armor thyroid is one of them, uh, nature thyroid, another one, but yeah, those are bioidenticals in a nutshell. So mm-hmm. something your body cannot tell the difference from your natural level the best way to do it. So when you do something that's non-bioidentical, those are the ones that cause problems. So yeah. if anybody that's a real science and medical geek wants to talk about JAMA articles or any of the medical articles that are talking about how hormones cause cancer or this or that, a lot of those are referencing the non-bioidentical source. Mm-hmm. Because if bioidentical hormones cause all of these health issues, everybody in their teens and 20s would have these issues. They don't. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, and I think the other thing that in that conversation that comes up is when we're talking about supplementing or prescribing testosterone is that people have that hesitation to think, oh, no, I'm on steroids, you know, and it's like this no, no thing from the gym back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. That's like, oh, if I enter into that space, maybe I'm actually going to shrink my balls and, you know, and all of this negative stuff's going to happen. Do you hear people bring up that concern about the stigma around taking testosterone? Absolutely. Yeah. So the idea that testosterone and steroids are linked, I understand. Testosterone is a natural hormone. It's also considered an anabolic steroid. Mm -hmm. So, you know, 
if you're taking testosterone therapy, are you technically taking steroids? Big air quotes. <laughs> yes, I guess technically. Are you taking them like a bodybuilder would? No, you're not, you know, but there has to be a differentiation in your mind. There has to be a differentiation between therapeutic use and abuse, which you can do with any drug, even vitamins. Mm -hmm. There are vitamins you can buy over the counter that if you take the entire bottle, you will die, legitimately die. If yeah. you take an entire bottle of ibuprofen, you're going to die. So, you know, it says don't take them at these levels. So it's the same thing. You know, when I when I hear the argument, well, what's the difference between taking anabolic steroids and taking therapy at your clinic? It's the dose. It's the methodology. It's the doctor. It's the doctor monitoring what you're doing. They are the same drugs, largely. You know, they're they're the same drugs that a bodybuilder would take. Yeah. But I would be taking, let's say, 150 milligrams of testosterone a week. The bodybuilder takes a thousand. Right. Pretty big difference, you know? Yeah. So it, it's just it's just how you look at it. And yes, is there a stigma? Sure there is, you know. Are there lasting effects to it? Yes. I have uh, you know, the the 50-year-old guys are like, well, am I gonna have to take this for the rest of my life? I said, if you want to feel good, yes. I said, the yeah. second you don't want to feel good anymore, feel free to jump off. Yeah. I'm gonna see you in probably six weeks because you're gonna be miserable. You're gonna go back to how you were before you started therapy. So it's just a choice. It's a lifestyle choice. You know, you're going to get to a point, no matter what, every man and woman will get to a point where their hormones will decline enough and they will have to make a choice. Do I want to live like this, feeling all of these symptoms, all these issues of low, of low hormone levels, mm -hmm. or do I want to feel good? Yeah. 99.9% .9 of the time they're going to say, well, yeah, I'm going to choose good. Yeah, for sure. I can't help but like the, the cynic in me comes up when I hear somebody say, you got to prescribe something for the rest of their mm -hmm. life. Because what comes into my head then is all the doctors that are, uh, you know, aren't funded to do their research or aren't motivated or it's out of their scope. And so they just say, yep, you can't cure it. You'll have to do this forever. And there's actually loads of things we can do to help those people sure. in lots of different areas. Sure. So I'm curious, is is this different in this space of hormones? Like, that you can't get it back to good, like to a point to a that point. you can reduce therapy? Yeah, so to a point you can, but there is going to be a time where you are going to naturally regress and there is no way to bring it yeah. back. You know what I mean? We're talking about mm -hmm. men and women over the age, women, postmenopausal, perfect example. Yeah, You can't get it back. It's done. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. do they want to feel like a postmenopausal woman or do they want to feel like themselves when they were 25, 30 again? They're going to choose 25, 30 all day at feeling, of yeah, course, feeling yeah. how you feel postmenopausal. It's the same thing for men. You know, the, the term mm -hmm. for, you know, male menopause is andropause. That's the time when your natural yeah. testosterone levels decline to a point where you are at a low normal level or below that low normal level. It's just a choice. So, you know, when people yeah. are like, well, I don't want to have to take something for the rest of my life. I said, that's a choice. You don't have to. It's, it's a choice on how you want to live your life. Uh, if you're going to ask me personally, I'm, I'm going to choose feeling like I'm 25 for the rest of my life. <laughs> you know, if I can mitigate disease, if I can mitigate the aging process, if I can truly, you know, anti-age, big air quotes again, if I can truly do that mm -hmm. by just taking something as simple as a bioidentical hormone, I'm, I'm all about it. I want to have a sex drive like I'm 25 my entire life. I want to stay lean and trim and have, you know, a good muscle tone until the day I die. I want to do all these things 
It's it's just a choice in how you want to live your life. Yeah, that makes complete sense. Um, I'm curious to ask, I've got a good friend who you may or may not actually know who's based here in Melbourne. He's a men's health and hormone expert as well, Lucas Owen. And he sort of got well known in this world of health and wellness and men's health um, in regards to the icing the balls, the nocturnal scrotal cooling. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of that to jack testosterone up naturally? I have heard of it. I don't know the science behind it. I uh, I have to say mm-hmm. that I, I haven't studied the uh, icing your balls technique as much as I maybe should have, <laughs> but I'm big on cold plunging. Yep. I'm big on cold tub therapy. I'm big on, uh, you know, getting in cold water, shocking the system. So it doesn't surprise me that, mm-hmm. you know, it could have benefits. Again, is it going to help the 55, 60-year-old man that has a natural hormone decline? Probably not. Yeah, I understand. These are things that we can do to maybe slow that andropause process down. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's only so many tricks you can do to fight aging. You're going to age. There's nothing you can do about it. Oh, for sure. We're all going to get old and we're all going to die eventually. You know, but I would tell everybody to look at every single possible avenue to stave off this hormone decline as much as possible. Again, women have a very clear window. They hit menopause, it's done. They're going to either go on hormone therapy or they're going to feel pretty miserable for the most part. Men, same idea, you know, but again, mitigate those things. You have women that go through menopause in their late 30s. Mm-hmm. You also have women that go through menopause in their late 50s. Yeah. There, there are those drastic differences. So what's the difference between them? Largely lifestyle. Active lifestyle, healthy eating, healthy water supply. Look at those blue zones that you can find places across the world. Look at those places. How are they eating? How do they behave? What's their lifestyle like? How much do they exercise? How much are they in the sun? Yeah. How much are they in cold water or warm water? They all make a difference, you know? Mm -hmm. So try to mimic those kind of lifestyles. You know, they say the best diet in the world, Mediterranean diet, right? There's a reason those people live a really long time. There's a reason there, you know, you see those old grandmas in those Mediterranean areas that are like 70 years old, pushing mm-hmm. a wheelbarrow down the street. When we have people here in the United States, maybe Australia as well, that are 50 and they're obese, they can't do anything. They have no muscle strength, no muscle tone. Why is that happening? It's lifestyle, you know, sedentary lifestyle, bad food, bad water. Yeah. And I completely agree. Like there's, yes, such a significant impact that the modern lifestyle has created. And, you know, even just people that are going to work every day and they're just sort of locked into sitting at a desk away from a window, no sun, you know, staring at a screen. And then on the way to work, they were staring at the screen of their phone. And when they leave, they're staring at the screen of their phone, hunched over, mm-hmm. you know, and they're just like locked in for the next 40 years to this, you know. And then they go home and what do they do? Watch TV. Yeah, sit on the couch, watch TV. Yeah. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, I fully acknowledge for everybody listening that it takes a bit of time to unwind those habits that have been, you know, that you just probably grew up with or that were just unconsciously so appealing because of the dopamine that you get from them, you know? And you're like, whoa, I think this is a habit. How did I end up here? And it's just that dopamine supply of wanting to feel good and whatever's the lowest barrier to entry. And it's that, it comes back to that idea of a cost of convenience, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's the scary part about these little devices right here. I'm holding up my uh, iPhone. These are massive dopamine devices. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't look at my phone for the first hour of my day and the last hour of my day. I also have complete phone free days. Amazing. You know, I'll pick a Saturday. Yeah. I'll pick a Saturday or Sunday. You can't get a hold of me. My phone is on top of my refrigerator. I don't see it. Yeah, I don't have a great. house phone either, which means you can't contact me. 
If there's an emergency, you better know where the hell I live because you're not going to find me. <laughs> but, you know, getting away from those dopamine responses, this is cheap. Those phones are cheap, easy. Social media, cheap, easy dopamine. The scrolling. Yeah. You're constantly getting those dopamine dumps. Uh, pornography for men, right? Dopamine dumps. All of mm. these things that are that are related to how our brain chemistry works and how we're wired. These are massive issues and they're causing massive mental health problems to the point where there's people having communication issues. There's people having interpersonal problems with their family, with their loved ones, because they don't understand how to properly get a dopamine release from a real life situation Yeah, because of how much they are inundated by dopamine by devices. Yeah. That reminds me, like at the minute and maybe the last few years, there's been this real trend online in sort of the young men, but also middle-aged men of no fap, right? no masturbation mm-hmm. and and having breaks from porn for a period of time. And then if you go even sort of a bit further into it, there's those conversations around semen retention and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think when it comes to like erectile dysfunction, poor hormones, that it's referred to as the death grip. And you probably know this, but for the listeners, the death grip is the idea that you watch and consume so much porn and masturbate that your own hand is the death grip because you're so conditioned for your own touch, your own speed, your own experience with porn in front of the screen that you sit with a partner or a woman and her no it doesn't matter who it is her touch is never the same Mm -hmm. and so you then have problems getting an erection or maintaining one because it doesn't feel the same or you know during the sexual experience you're having to partake you know a lot more than you probably should have and that combination of being conditioned for sexual experience through porn and your lonesome self and your death grip and then transitioning to a you know, you're getting dopamine hits like, you know, every few minutes in that, maybe less, you know, and then you have a real experience with a woman, that dopamine experience is possibly drawn out slowly over mm. hours, right? Or should be if it's handled, you know, depending on the situation, we all have crazy times and loving times. <laughs> but the point is that, you know, it shouldn't be a, you know, really, really fast, like dopamine, 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 it should be a bit more drawn out. And, and we should be able to mentally navigate that space without the anticipation of like, we've already, we've got to finish. We've got to just, we've got to get to the ejaculation. Let's go, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, again, what are they being conditioned to view as well? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, you look at some of these pornography sites and I'll, I'll preface this. I'm anti-porn mm-hmm. and I'm actually anti-masturbation. Mm-hmm. So I don't masturbate and I don't watch porn. Yeah. I refuse. So I, I, the way that I think of it is, as a man, and this, this might trigger some men, as a man, I believe that if you are a high quality, high desirable masculine man, you would have no reason to watch pornography and self-pleasure and masturbate. You should be able to have your woman or a woman do that for you mm-hmm. to get that dopamine release. So I look at it as almost like a challenge. And I've said this to men and I've challenged them. I said, whenever you think about yourself looking at porn, whenever you think about porn or masturbation, look at why you can't attract a woman right now to do that for you. Look at yourself very closely. Look at yourself in the mirror. Get naked in front of the mirror if you have to. Look at yourself and and ask yourself, if I were a woman, would I sleep with me? Mm -hmm. If the answer is not, hell yes, I would definitely go after me. If it's not that answer, then improve yourself. Use that pent up sexual energy and use that energy for a positive thing and say, like, if 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 you're a little bit out of shape. Mm -hmm. okay. well, let me tell you, if you don't masturbate, you don't look at porn for long enough, you're going to be an aggressive person. Go take that aggression out in the gym. 
Go change your body. Go take that aggression out into making money. Go, go, go make yourself more of a high desirable male to then attract those females. And you won't ever need to look at porn or masturbate again. It's a, it's a hot take. It's a crazy look at it. But, you know, I always look at things kind of like five moves ahead where I'm like, why would I need to do this? And if I am needing to do it, why can't I have a woman do it for me? It's mm-hmm. because I'm missing something in the equation. There's an attraction level where I'm not hitting it. So, yeah, I think it's a cool way to look at it. And I think it's a way you can really look at that behavior and target it into a self-improvement. Yeah, well, and it's like even there's stories about Muhammad Ali and lots of elite athletes and performers, uh, not just necessarily in the, the fitness space or the sports space, but a lot of high level performers. And it's been talked about in you know books for hundreds, possibly thousands of years of the benefit of savoring that life force energy. And I mean this in a non-religious way, like is mm-hmm. that life force, that sexual energy and putting it into creativity or, you know, just as you're describing personal development, gym, that kind of thing. So it's been known for a long time that harnessing that energy and not releasing it from the body. And actually in traditional Chinese medicine, as you get older, there's sort of direction on how many times a man should ejaculate per month and it decreases as you get older because that life force energy over the course of your life, which is basically what we're talking about here, reduces. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure about how many times you should ejaculate a month because I mean, I know some hypersexual couples, you know, that, I mean, listen, they can't get them ha- their hands off each other. That's amazing. That's beautiful. <laughs> it's, it's great. It's beautiful. You know, so if you're going to tell that guy that, Hey, you can only ejaculate, I don't know, let's make a number up. You can only ejaculate 12 times a month. Mm-hmm. He's going to tell me to go to hell. He's never going to talk to me again. Yeah, for sure. He's going to be like, absolutely not. I, I want to, I'm, this is, we're doing this daily. I enjoy this. This is amazing. My wife and I have a great time, you know? So is there, is there a limit to it? I, I don't know. I don't know if there's a number that we should hit, uh, but there is some science behind, uh, you know, not ejaculating for a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. I notice personally that if I go maybe a week, maybe a week and a half, um, Three weeks is kind of like my limit. If I go three weeks, I feel like I'm a psychopath a little bit. But if I go about a week, week and a half to two weeks, I am hyper-focused. I'm hyper-aggressive, not in a negative way, but in a positive way. You know, when it comes to business, when it comes to the gym, things like that. And I just feel like uh, a different kind of energy, you know? Again, the problem is that people are always looking for that quick dopamine release. And what's, yeah. what's an easier dopamine release for a man than masturbation? Yeah. It's like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I say like that because, yeah, you're, you're not doing it for 30 minutes. You're probably doing it for two, three minutes tops. <laughs> well, and the conundrum that people would run into having listened to this podcast, right, is that, hang on, I've just jacked up my testosterone. Yeah. And now I'm ready to go far more often. And now you're telling me to not do anything about it, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a conundrum, but, you know, you get that testosterone level up, you start improving yourself. Maybe, you know, everything in life is a suffering point, right? Yeah. So you got to suffer a little bit to get to where you want to go. So, you know, if you're that guy that maybe doesn't have a girlfriend, doesn't have a wife, needs to attract some female, you know, mates or, uh, you know, whatever, whatever your sexual preference is, you want to, you want to attract a sexual partner. Listen, suffer for a little bit, get yourself to an improvement point and have your sexual partner do that. It's going to be much more pleasurable. Your dopamine response is going to be much higher. 
and you're just going to be a healthier person in general. It's just it's just a better outcome altogether for oh, your yeah. mental health, for your physical health, and you're going to have some self improvement out of it. It's a no it's a no brainer, hundred percent, and probably improve your relationship and you know guarantee it, its survival a little longer, which is which is pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> where can everybody find you online, and also where are your locations that we can send people to for people that are resonating with this conversation? Yeah, so our website is aspirerejuvenation.com, A-S-P-I-R-E, rejuvenation.com. Mm-hmm. You can find us on all social media platforms and YouTube as well, Aspire Rejuvenation. You can find me pretty much all the social media platforms and YouTube as well, Tomo Marjanovic. Last name is M-A-R-J-A-N-O-V-I-C. You can also find me on YouTube at Tomo Talks. I have a podcast of my own. We do a lot of short clips. We're starting our new season of my long form podcast. So, you know, we talk about these kind of things. We talk about a lot of uh, social issues. We've been getting really into relationships and how relationship dynamics, masculinity, femininity work. And, you know, we've been having great success with that. So we'd love to have everybody tune in. Our clinic locations currently are in Orlando, Florida, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And we have uh, three opening out in the West Coast, which are going to be Arizona in Texas. And I believe the third one is Colorado. And uh, like I stated earlier, we are in talks to go into Dubai in the UAE. Mm -hmm. Um, Also talks with a uh, partnering doctor in London in the UK. So for anybody listening in the UK market, there's possibility for us going there. For anybody that's not near a clinic location, we offer telemedicine. The great thing that happened through COVID is that we have telemedicine capabilities that we literally opened six months before COVID started. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we have embraced telemedicine. We do just like, you know, just like we're doing on uh, on this podcast, talking on video. We have a HIPAA compliant platform where we can see patients all over the country. You know, once we get into a different country, if we ever get in the Australia market, you know, we would offer that as well. So, you know, you won't have to actually go to the clinic to have your appointment. Uh, it even gets better. Your medications can even be shipped to your door yeah. and we can teach you how to use them. We can teach you how to uh, properly dose everything. It's it's a it's a great product. It's a great way to do medicine, and that's really where medicine is is going towards. Yeah, amazing. I'll put all of those links uh, down in the show notes below so that everybody can scroll down there and get a piece of you and your world. Because I think uh, men absolutely need this, and um, yeah, and obviously a lot of our listeners are women. So if the women are pushing it on their husbands, hopefully eventually the husbands finally wake up. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. For men and women, I mean, listen, uh, women again understand hormones better than us men. Yeah. So they they get it, you know, but uh, for any women that are, you know, looking for treatments, looking for anything to optimize their health and wellness, especially if they're getting into the later years, this is an amazing thing to look into. And I will tell everybody, just get your labs checked, yeah. get your hormone levels checked, get a baseline, even if you feel absolutely amazing, even if you're 20 years old and you feel the best in your life, get it checked so you have a baseline. That way, you know, when you actually hit that hormone decline, you have data. That's what we want. We want actual tangible data that you can see so you can take control of your health. You can take control of what really you had no control over ever until modern, until modern days. So that's, that's our whole prerogative, taking control of your health, uh, having the health in your own hands and being able to really control your destiny and how you age and, and how you uh, regress and how you can progress through the later years of your life. Amazing. 
We want that for everybody. Absolutely. So I really appreciate you being here and taking the time and having this conversation. As I said, I think it's super important for all everyone to be listening to. But to take us out, what is one piece of health information that you wish more people knew about? Health information. Um, I'm, I'm going to tell everybody that the one thing, again, I harp on labs constantly, but I'm going to just kind of expand on it, data. I'm a huge data guy. So what people don't do in medicine personally is collect data. They trust their doctors to hold their data. They trust their doctors to make sure that all their data is, is, in, is in their database. Take control of your health by having all of your health data in, in some personal file, whether it's actually on paper, whether it's digitally, but make sure you are watching what your body is doing and what your health is doing from a data perspective. Those health scans, those lab tests, those, those heart scans, whenever you get an ultrasound on your arteries or your heart, these things are all data-driven and you can't trust the medical practitioners all the time to really look at everything because you usually have less than 15 minutes with an appointment anyway. That's, that's what we are, our appointments initially for, for our patients are 60 minutes. Yeah. You have a full hour with our doctor or practitioner more than you probably ever had with a, with a doctor ever. So, you know, getting all that data compiled so you can be an educated person going into the medical professional, it's, it's going to give you all the power in the world to be able to tell them, hey, no, look at this. Now I have this data. Now I have this lab panel. I showed this was here when I was this age. And now five years later, I'm here. This needs to be addressed yeah. because the doctor's never going to look at it from that perspective. So take a data-driven approach to your health. Make sure you're getting levels checked. Make sure you're getting scans often and hold all that information because that information is power for you. Yeah, amazing. Take your data home. I like it. Well, thanks for being on the show, man. I appreciate your time and I hope we can catch up again really soon. Maddie, I appreciate you having me on, man. I hope you have a great day. Cheers. And thanks for having me on again. Thanks, mate. See you later. See ya. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoyed this episode or learned anything at all, the gift of your five-star rating would be incredibly helpful. And what's even more powerful is if you write a review. You can do it below each episode on Spotify every time an episode comes out. And inside Apple Podcast, simply find the main page of this show with all the episodes on it, scroll to the bottom, hit write a review, share your amazing feedback, and then hit send. It helps this show grow tremendously and allows me to successfully invite bigger and more famous guests each time we do the show. Thank you, thank you, thank you for helping us climb the charts, climb the algorithm and help more people. Oh, and by the way, I have a short disclaimer as well. I just wanted to quickly remind you that the information provided on this podcast is for general informational purposes only. While we strive to bring you accurate and up-to-date content, it's important to note that a lot of this is mixed with opinions, stories, and ideas not supported by mainstream science or medicine. Any advice or suggestions should not be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always consult a healthcare provider before making any decisions about the health and wellness of you and your family. Remember too that what works for one person may not work for another. And just as we promote on the show, each person is responsible for their own health decisions. Thank you for tuning in to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. And now, the next episode. Here it is.